Welcome to episode 344 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. On the first Friday of every month, I host a free monthly No More Bad Zoom virtual happy hour. If you haven't been in a while, or maybe you've never been, now is a great time to join us. Music, fellow entrepreneurs, learning, all the ingredients of a great event, plus a chance to share your wins, find people you can relate to in the breakout rooms, and ask questions during the extensive Q&A. All this is free, and I host it on the first Friday of each month from 5 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Join when you can and leave when you have to. Register at nomorebadzoom.com to receive the Zoom link. Again, that's nomorebadzoom.com. I can't wait to see you there. Are you looking for support for your virtual event? As a virtual event design consultant and executive Zoom producer, I work with organizations to help them bring their events strategically online with less stress and greater participant engagement. I co-create purpose-first strategic design. I produce, host, MC, facilitate, train speakers, and I'm also available to present content. My goal is to help my clients design transformative, inclusive, and engaging online experiences. Reach out if you'd like more information or to schedule a chat, email Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. Next, a word from our sponsor, and then we'll dive into this week's interview. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Today's guest shines bright like a diamond and helps her clients do the same. Her approach is rooted in her crystallization process, a powerful method that enables thought leaders to draw out their unique brilliance and create one-of-a-kind visual brands. With her passion for helping thought leaders and experts crystallize their brands and businesses, She's a force to be reckoned with in the world of strategic branding and storytelling. With over 20 years of consulting, marketing, and business management experience, she brings a wealth of strategic thinking, creativity, and foundational frameworks to her work. She has honed her expertise through senior management roles in marketing and product development for Fortune 100 company and high growth startups. As a former community builder and head of thought leadership for an executive network, She understands the challenges of building a thriving business based on personal intellectual property and how to amplify it for maximum income and impact strategically. She's also an author, keynote speaker, and MC. Her books include Mindful Performance, How to Powerfully Impact Profitability, Productivity, and Purpose, and Your Daily Dose of Mojo, 365 Days of Mindful Living and Working, demonstrates her ability to artfully craft words that resonate with readers and deliver transformative insights. Please join me in welcoming Teresa Rose. Thank you very much, Robbie. Woo, I love that. That just made me all in my feels when I heard that introduction of me. Thank you. Well, shout out to Paya for all of her work behind the scenes. That's my assistant of three and a half years who's helpful, helping me craft all these intros. Um, kudos to her. And kudos thank you for joining her. us, Teresa, from your place in Southern California thrilled that you can be here. And this is a show, you know, it's about uh, leadership and, you know, relationship building. So to kick things off, how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? That is such a great question. Uh, You know, as someone who has been, I've gotten a business management degree, and I've led lots of different organizations, uh, you know, at every level you can imagine. And to define leadership as a very uh, complex one on one hand. Uh, But as a crystallizer, I like to bring everything down to its essence. And so when you uh, ask the question of what do I, how do I define leadership? I really believe 
at the end of all days, it's about showing up in mind, body, and spirit. And when you show up in mind, body, and spirit, you can learn as you go uh, the, the things that require being a, an effective leader. How I knew I had it was really when I think back on what does that mean showing up in mind, body, and spirit for yourself, for, your, for others, for your customers, for your teams, uh, I think of my mother. Uh, my mother uh, was an incredible force to be reckoned with, as, uh, as you referenced me in your introduction. Uh, she was a single mom, and she had a full-time job as a nurse uh, when I was you know, a very young child when uh, my mom and dad divorced. And that was unheard of a million years ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth. There were not many friends that I had who had divorced parents. Uh, and she got into direct sales. And, uh, you know, before you ask the question, yes, uh, she did have a pink Cadillac. So you can do the math and figure out which organization she was a part of. Uh, but at five years of age, and when we think about developmentally, you know, what, what are we like developmentally? Those, those first seven years are absolutely essential as to who we are. Uh, and, uh, and that time, that transformative, you know, character creating time for me, I got a chance to witness uh, a powerful single woman who couldn't really rely on anyone else but her own moxie and gumption and drive and survival instinct to uh, to do two things at once, to be able to, uh, you know, put in a full day's work as an ER nurse, uh, ER surgical nurse, in fact, and also, you know, uh, sell product to strangers around their dining room tables in Minnesota in the winter in a blizzard. She found a way to do that, show up uh, in mind, uh, really being able to turn off the distractions of all the other things, including raising children by herself with not the, a lot of resources to support her and show up in body, just hoofing it, you know, hoofing it through the, uh, the, the, the snowstorms of Minnesota in her rusty Datsun B210 with her two pink uh, suitcases on her shoulders, her tiny little shoulders, and in spirit to really be this powerful force when she was with, whether it was one person or six people or 60 or 600, which I've seen her do in all of those situations. And so as a child, I saw what it looked like and I realized, well, first of all, I was really commissioned to to be showing up with her, right? I was her chief uh, washcloth runner and product fulfillment officer and uh, assistant uh, across all of the Midwest uh, for, for years. So I was really invited to slash, uh, you know, uh, nudged to be present and be there. I couldn't goof around. I couldn't, uh, you know, do something else in color or there was no, you know, screens for me to watch right? There was simply being there. And I not only had to be there as the child, you know, five years old, six years old, when my mom was doing this, I was participating. And so this was a part of my core framework of who I am and how I've shown up over the last de decades. I, I have to tell you, um, all these years of doing a podcast, it fascinates me that there's still a way to surprise me <laughs> about how that <laughs> question can be answered. Your, your mother sounds like, a force uh, to yeah. reckon with herself and that you at a very young age were front and center witness to what she was doing, mind, body, and spirit. And just that she had that tenacity to keep going, but also to involve you. Like she could have brought crayons, you yeah. know, she could have brought coloring book and told you to sit, you know, children are to be seen, but not heard, you know, she could have stuck you in the corner. But the fact that she engaged you at your own level and had to be a participant in your own way so that you started to pay more attention to what the grownups were doing, what she was doing. Yes. I mean, that you carry those lessons with you all these years and that you got an introduction to sales at a young age. So sales was not scary. It wasn't, you know, this thing. It was like, you saw it as people sitting around a table helping each other. Yeah. Not only, thank you for that acknowledgement. Not only did I learn sales at an incredibly young age, and I'm talking effective sales, right? I, I saw not only the power that my mother had to, uh, you know, to 
provide a service from a product perspective and, you know, fill the little pink bags with the goodies. I saw more importantly, I saw the recruiting interviews that she did, countless recruiting interviews that she did in Perkins restaurants all over the Midwest where I was sitting right next to her. And she was uh, having conversations with people about becoming, you know, a consultant and starting their training program under her leadership. And I watched and I, she would tell me, she'd say, Teeter, I want you to understand things. When you see people, Mary Kay Ash always said, when you see people, you see something on their forehead that says, make me feel special. And she would tell me, we would almost debrief in the car on the way back, right? This is how much of a nerd I am and how much I've had sales in my bones, in my blood, and how I'm so good at it is because I really understood at an incredibly early age that to be in a sales role successfully, you needed to be fully present with people and you needed to really put your own, my mom would say it all the time, you need to put your own agenda aside when you're having these conversations, whether it's the product sales or the recruiting. It was, you are not a part of this. And bear in mind, I saw this woman struggle with daily, you know, how much money do we have? Eating dinty more stew, right? Uh, Having things that were really without, we were without uh, for a lot early on. And she would be able to summon uh, by will the understanding of how to put your own ego aside and your own fears and uh, agenda aside to really be with someone and make them feel special in a way that says, and what my language would be, make them feel heard right? Make them feel heard and seen and appreciated. And she never griped about if she would drive an hour in a snowstorm and and sell a mascara. You know, she just wouldn't. She just knew that was a part of the job over and over and over again. And that was huge for me to understand that it wasn't about me at all. And I think, and I want to give shout out to the company, Mary Kay Cosmetics, because my mother didn't just Uh, you know, get these ideas out of her head, right? She got these ideas out of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, of which my weathered 1960 copy of hers, $1.95 is on my shoulder behind me right now. So I, she, she would be a, a, a voracious devourer of positive content. I mean, I knew Napoleon Hill and, and uh, uh, you know, Tony Robbins and Dale Carnegie and Zig Ziglar, right? So when I got into the speaking business, uh, you know, 15 years ago, I already knew all of those people because I literally grew up on it. And it was because of what she got fed into her heart, into her spirit. Every night she'd read about it. She was committed to it. She was committed to not only being successful in Mary Kay, she was committed to being being that type of professional, right, who mm-hmm. really elevated their mindset, elevated their actions, and therefore elevated their in- impact. I'm curious how this translated to who you were on the playground, like as a young <laughs> kid, you know, um, y- you know, were you outspoken? Did you organize your friends? Did you sit back and watch all the dynamics? Did teachers witness and see in you potential and they invited you to partake in some special roles? Like, How did this all sort of play out in those early years? Well, let's just say that I was not a wallflower, Robbie. I I, uh, won most enthusiastic in second grade. And I remember coming home from that at the end. And my teacher, Mr. Mosman, second grade teacher at the end of the year, he was revolutionary. We didn't get certificates back then. That was not a thing, right? To to say you are the best smile, you're best in math, you are a great speller. I came home and I had most enthusiastic and I was crying because I said, I don't even know what that means. And Mr. Mosman said, said, ask your mom, ask your mom, she'll know what it means. And when I went home and I said, what does this mean, mom? And she says, teeter, it's because you have all that energy and that will never serve you wrong, Lady Jane. That will never serve you wrong. And so that this is in my bones. And that enthusiasm that I have had translated in school to, first of all, I was the first one to volunteer for anything relating to performance. I mean, I was Mary, I was the Silver Bell, I was Rudolph, all in the same show, right? That's me. And I was the most, uh, you know, valuable cheerleader, right? Not because I could jump the highest, believe you me, I was the, the definitely the, uh, the most solid, as we shall say, solid uh, cheerleader on the team. And, and then I found theater. I mean, once I found theater, oh, 
right? I mean, I love the stage. I just, the stage is my natural habitat. I absolutely adore performing, whether it's performing a role or more importantly, what I really loved then is just being on stage, being Teresa Rose and, and sharing my gifts and talents with the uh, many audiences that I've been privileged to do that with. This is fascinating to hear how all the messages that you grew up learning, like translated to, you know, your, your innate enthusiasm. It feels like that's, that's like a, who you are core, core sense of being. Yeah. And then how that led to opportunities. Cause you're like, you know, you're, you're being seen and appreciated for that when you're, I don't know, 12 or so years old, do you have any sense what you were going to be when you grew up? Was there like a path laid out? Were you going to follow your mother's footsteps? Like was college part of the plan? You know? Yeah, 12. Well, first of all, you're bringing me back to like the nastiest time, right? 12 Mm -hmm. years old is like sixth grade. And oof, I mean, I had it rough. Uh, You know, I was I was actually bullied uh, Mm. pretty relentlessly because of the pink Cadillac. And because I was different. Uh, you know, mom dropped me off and she'd say, Teeter, if anybody gives you any grief about the car, just tell what color is your free car? You know, and it was just, but kids are kids and girls are girls and they're little demons when they're sixth grade. Uh, and so I, w- during that time, I actually had already written Mary Kay Ash herself when I was a younger child and said, I really love that my mom does this and I really love the company, but I don't think I'm designed to do it. I don't think it should be mine. And she wrote me back a letter. She wrote me back a letter that said, your mom will be so proud of you no matter what you do. You don't need to do this job to make her happy and you should travel and find your dreams. Because I said, I really want to be an actress. I really want to be on stage. You know, I didn't, I I felt bad, you know, about uh, maybe disappointing my mom. So that was a treasured, treasured childhood memory. But back then when I was in 12, uh, when I was about 12, I would say I just wanted to get out of, uh, you know, middle school unscathed was my goal. But I also already showed signs of being a business badass. Okay. I was already showing signs of uh, understanding at a deeper level what business was all about because I had so many years in my childhood seeing it. So I had kind of said, I'm either going to be an actress or I'm going to be a CEO, one of the two. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm a little bit of both, I would say right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love this in your brain. Like, you're like, these are my options, <laughs> actress yeah. or CEO. Like, yeah, uh, these are very different paths, but you're like, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And you did, of course, figure it out. Um, you know, the teasing, where were you growing up? I was in, uh, I was uh, around that time. I was in, uh, the Western suburbs of Chicago. So we had moved from Minnesota to Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. What color is your free car? (laughs) Such a good line. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my mom was like, not like any other mom. I mean, she really was. And she had a fur coat. She had long painted fingernails. She wore false eyelashes. She put her face on every single day. You know, she was very, uh, you know, put together, gutsy, put together, you know, she'd, she'd blessed. I will survive in the car. You know, that was her. So of course the smaller, now that I look back on it, it's obvious that, you know, there was envy and jealousy associated with the bullying that I got. I mean, I was really, really smart and I was really, uh, you know, engaged person, my energy, right. I, I, I was a presence. And so the girls that were older than me, one year older than me were, they just decided one day, they just decided one day she's, she's it, she's going to be the target for the year. Mm. And, um, and they made it pretty, pretty horrible. But I send them compassion right now from, from a great place. Right. Yeah. The different perspective you can have as an adult to see like what was driving people to have those experiences. Yeah. Um, did college end up being part of the path? Did you go college, to performing arts or business? Like what did you end up doing? I went to a uh, business. Uh, actually, what I did was my first year uh, right out of high school, uh, I went to the University of Southern California. I followed a boy, which was a bad, bad, bad idea. Um, and so I went to college for one year and then I came back to Chicago and went to DePaul 
for one year. And I was really having to work through that whole time. I worked for the colleges, both USC and DePaul. Uh, I worked in the uh, student affairs in USC, and I worked in the financial aid office in DePaul. And finally, uh, actually, ironically, uh, Mary Kay came around again, where I was like, well, now that I'm a you know, grown up, maybe I should, if I'm already working, why don't I just do that? And I tried again, uh, you know, or, or tried really for the real first time, you know, seriously, and I wasn't any good at it. Um, even though I knew it, I could do a sales presentation and I'm not exaggerating. I could do a sales presentation by the time I was seven years old, you know, the whole thing, the entire thing. And I couldn't do it. And it was because I, when I look back on it, I knew it wasn't my destiny and I knew it wasn't my, where my skill sets lie. And uh, so that was painful for me. And then once I quit, you know, I quit college then to sort of do that. And I, you know, to, to, to make money on my own, I did go back to college when I was 31. Uh, when I had a, an infant daughter, I was working full time as a senior manager of marketing and product development for a fortune 100 company. I was a busy lady. I had a huge team, huge team, hundred million dollars of annual revenue. I was responsible for, and I worked for a company that would pay for my education to finish it. And it was like, I just, it always bothered me that I didn't get my degree mm. because I was always so academically inclined that, uh, it was like, I hate the fact that there is any door that is not open to me the way I deserve it to be open. And if it's for the silly piece of paper, which is what I perceived it as, as the time at the time, if that silly piece of paper is going to get me more doors open, then I'm going to do it. And I went to night school and, uh, and, and finished my degree in my thirties. That's a story of perseverance right there. And also knowing yourself, I mean, it makes sense that you would have tried your hand at Mary Kay, given your, your own history with it. And yep. to find out that it really wasn't your aptitude, that it didn't actually, even though you knew how to do the presentation, it wasn't yep. where your calling was. That sounds like a very difficult moment to to kind of settle in that real reality. And then like, what next? Like, wh where did you go next? You, we were running college. There was no yeah. path laid out in front of you. Your friends are probably still busy at like in school. college. Yeah, yeah they're like, in they, school. They're not thinking about what's next because the ha no. next hasn't happened for them yet. So where do you where do you go? I was a temp. So I and you know what? I'll tell you one of the most uh, valuable experiences I ever had was being a temporary employee for manpower. I would have, and if I'll tell you, if any of your listeners are, are current or former temporary employees, there's a special place in heaven for all of us because that is, uh, that's a thankless, awful experience because you just get thrown into new environments with where you don't know anyone and you don't even know what they're going to ask of you and you need to do it, right? Show up mind, body, and spirit like my mom taught me. So I learned early on in Chicago, that I'm downtown Chicago at this point, okay? 19 years old, uh, little student studio apartment on North and Wells, half a block from Second City, which as a theater person, I would go to the free shows after the real show was over when they would just do their their, uh, you know, their workshopping. That was my form of entertainment. And then I was temping during the day. Uh, and what happened is I would always really I was like, I'm going to do the best I possibly can right? When I'm here, whether it was data entry or writing letters or um, doing the mail, you know, and, and uh, whatever it would be, I would get more and more responsibilities uh, as I progressed because I was just showing my focus and my, ta my talent, my dedication to doing a good job. And I translated, I, I parlayed a temp job uh, into my first full-time job. And I was an assistant in the marketing department for Morton's of Chicago Steakhouse and in Chicago. And that's when I really started to get a clear picture of what marketing is. Uh, I had already known what sales was, right, from mom. But I really started to understand marketing uh, campaigns and what the objectives were and how do you present it and how it's connected to sales. And that really kind of kicked off everything for me, Robbie, where I took that job and then I, you know, uh, ended up getting that HR director went to a different company. She started a startup with a startup company. Uh, and I was the 12th employee hired in this major startup company because she just saw that I could get things done, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I could get things done. I, I saw things 
differently than other people did, especially kind of conceptually. I realized then that I was really, really good at breaking things down to its essence right? Uh, as a project manager, I could just look at a huge project and go, well, this is what we need to do. Boom. And, uh, and there was real uh, value in the marketplace for someone who could go through the weeds and really see the essence of what, uh, what a, a campaign or a product needed to do. Uh, it's an incredible place to learn too. By the way, I'm going to raise my hand as one of those people that tempt Yay. Uh, I bet back. you have some stories. I bet you have some stories. Yeah, you bring me back. I actually had a funny moment when I moved to a new city and I went to five temp agencies in one day for interviews. And um, three of them used the same software to test your computer skills. And um, it was funny because like my skills were very strong in intermediate and advanced, but not in basic because I didn't know any of the, I knew all the shortcuts on computers. <laughs> Oh. I didn't know the like basic keystroke, but by the end of the day, I like figured out what I had been missing and I like scored really high, but then <laughs> I was too advanced. Like I didn't get any callbacks. They told me that my, my, the, my pay rate that I was expecting and what I was offering, like they didn't have any roles for me. And it was like, such a disappointment <laughs> because oh, previously yeah. I had tempted and I was like, Oh, I'll just do that when I get to the city. Um, right. But I, I guess it all worked out the way it's supposed to. Cause I ended up getting an actual job that I enjoyed. Um, That's but good. yes, That's having the opportunity good. to try lots of different things and bring yeah. your full self and bring your best self and yeah. then to get into the world of marketing um, and have someone witness and realize that you are a person who can bring so much value to invite you right. to onto that journey with a startup. You know, startup world's unique in itself. I mean, you're not the entrepreneur, but it is very much the, uh, there's a lot of entrepreneurial energy in startups. Absolutely. Were you Absolutely. really attracted to that? Was that like, Knowing that that was going to be a possibility for you, given your mother's background, did that seem appealing? I love it. I loved it back then and I love it now, even though it can be heartbreaking and exhausting mm -hmm. and uh, so much drama and so much kind of just heavy intensity, intensity uh, about it. But the entrepreneurial spirit, you know, I, I of course grew up in, around the entrepreneurial spirit. And then when I was in uh, this, you know, startup where I was really, uh, you know, an integral part of the fundamental uh, growing of the infrastructure, the, the corporate infrastructure. And, uh, you know, we'd work, I mean, I would just work, 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 work. I'd be working all the time and I loved it. I really did. Now I didn't have a family and I didn't have much of a life, uh, but I really did love the uh, the quest for uh, quickness and uh, success, quick success, and how can we uh, build, build, build? Right. I was really into that notion, and and I realized that I get bored. I could never do like an actual functional job. Right. One that's just like when it just goes and goes and goes and that's what you do. It's just not my style. It's not my personality. I like seeing broken things or things that haven't been developed yet and putting my unique uh, stamp on its creation and watch it start to cultivate. But as soon as that first, uh, you know, seedling uh, breaks ground and starts to grow on its own, I'm kind of like next. Where's the next seed? Right. Yeah. That I can do. Yeah, it's hard, though, because a lot of times in a job, you get really excited in the beginning, the, the founder syndrome, like you get really excited about founding something. And then it's yeah. time to just nurture and sustain. And that's a very different energy and a very different skill set. So totally. um, knowing about yourself. So at what point did you leave this uh, startup? And did you, did you continue on like a, a career path? Or did you head off into your own entrepreneurial work? Well, again, I followed another man. Uh, there's patterns here, Robbie. You'll notice in my mm -hmm. career, there's usually a man that brought me somewhere else, uh, uh, which I think happens more often than I would care to admit. Uh, so I worked at this great company, and uh, and you know, I my my uh, I, my husband. I met my husband at that job, uh, and it, he and I were in a meeting together. And he recalls that when we went around the table, I was the only woman in the room, uh, and there was probably twenty five other people in the room. And I uh, flounced in with a lot of you know bubbliness. That's that's my you know my signature move. That's just what I do. And uh, and I said hi, you know, here's my name. And I said and I and we were supposed to say our name and uh, what our business unit was. And I said, you know, 
uh, I said my name and I said, and I'm my own business unit. And, uh, and so we, we fell in love and, uh, and when his engagement was over, uh, I moved from what was at the time, uh, Denver, uh, moved all the way across country to Washington, DC, really the rest in Virginia, Northern Virginia area. And I then started to consult. So I started to do it on my own. Uh, I became a uh, management consultant working with other organizations, going in and essentially finding the broken pieces, uh, seeing it as a puzzle that needed to be fixed with real people in it instead of pieces, but they were actual people and objectives and strategies uh, that we were working with. And that went for a good long time uh, until, uh, and then there was a move from, uh, from, DC down to Florida, Sarasota, Florida. I wanted to be closer to my mom. She was down in Marco Island at the time. Uh, and uh, so I continued to do that uh, consulting work. And then uh, the uh, then I parlayed that consulting work into another corporate role where was the, the senior management role. So again, consulting to permanent. And that went great. That job was incredibly challenging. Uh, and I uh, learned a ton about enterprise management, right? It's a different beast completely uh, than a smaller company, than a startup company when you have a big behemoth. Uh, so I've had so many different pieces. But as a part of that job, I, after I laid off, you know, a dozen people on my team on a Friday, I got the call from my boss uh, that said, you're a part of the riff. Uh, and I was just shocked. I mean, I remember driving off, uh, I had to drive an hour every day from Sarasota to Tampa. And I was driving over the Sunshine Parkway Bridge uh, in, uh, in the Tampa St. Pete area. And, uh, you know, had gotten ill in my car. And I was just shaking because I was not the kind of person that failed. Okay. I just wasn't, I, I, I go until I am done and it is done. And so it was so shocking to me that I was part of that. And, and which tells you, you know, how disconnected you can be when it's an organization, they don't care that I don't want to be, let me not paint with such a broad brushstroke, that organization at that size where it was in its journey, which was six weeks later, it went bankrupt. Uh, it was, uh, I was a number. I wasn't a yeah. person. So I just decided I want to do something totally different. Now, this is where the life takes a really right turn, Robbie, is I couldn't find a job. All right. And I was a great networker. And what, I had a, what year is this? This was in 2000. Uh, uh, let's see, 2001. 2001. Okay. Could not find a job. And it was not like me not to find a job. 9-11, uh, it just happened too, right? 9-11. So. Oh yeah. I was at the corporate job when 9-11 happened. I, I was a, an, a, a mile away from the airport and I could see from my corner office that had all glass around it in Tampa, the planes landing uh, to the airport. And I remember the conference call that I was on with one of my teammates and it all went down and the pair airplane suddenly looked a lot closer and a lot ter more terrifying when you could, you know, when we were in attack. So, um, I, how I transitioned to a whole other different part of my life was, uh, I couldn't find a job. I was getting depressed. I didn't know what to do. And my, uh, husband said, we need a vacation. We need to get out of here. Cause you're, you're driving me crazy. Uh, so we went to Sedona, Arizona. And, uh, the very first thing I did was, you know, there's, there's a lot of new age psychic, uh, energy that is in Sedona, which I kind of knew, but I didn't really, I just thought, okay, we're getting away. And I noticed, Hey, wait, well, they've got these psychics here. I'm going to go ask where my next job is. And I literally had three, three different psychics that week that we were there all say the exact same thing to me. And these weren't, you know, crazy kooky people that, you know, looked like they were answering a Miss Cleo knockoff line, right? These, this was like people that looked and sounded like me and said, you are not going to find another corporate job. That door is closed, closed, closed. Here's where you're going to go. And I kept hearing all this healing talk. And I was like, healer? What? I don't know. What, what, what are you talking about? Uh, I want to know where I should find a job. And they just kept saying the same thing 
over and over again about energy healing and about how I know the, you know, know things that I didn't even know I knew. And long story short, I ended up one of them at the, this is the one that changed my life. The third one, I was angry by this point, right? Cause I'm spending money and hearing this nonsense. And she said, I really feel like you're going to start in like massage. She goes, do you like massage? And I was like, uh, duh, of course I like massage. Everybody likes massage. Don't they? Like I even have a massage table. And she said, why would a corporate executive need a massage table? I said, well, because I love massage and I wanted to do partner massage, you know, with my, with my husband. And I'm eventually when we have kids, I'm going to, you know, want to do that. Like I believe in massage. She goes, don't you think that's a little odd? And, and she just said, just notice it, notice what keeps coming up for you. So I went back to the hotel and I told my husband, this is what this, I, they keep saying it. And I said, I don't even know. She said for me to look at massage. I said, I didn't, do you go to school for that? I had no idea that you even could like get an education on it, right? Uh, I came from the school of, of learning where my grandmother would give us foot treatments, right? She learned reflexology from her mother who learned it from her mother who learned it from her mother. So I didn't know it was a school. Turns out there's one in Sarasota, Florida, where, is, where we lived. And I was like, that's interesting. And that was like a checkbox that said, that's a yes. And then it was, uh, you know, the nine month program starts in three weeks. That's mm. a yes. Yep. I called the massage school and said, uh, is this full or how much is it or whatever? And she said, well, we do have financial aid check and that class is full, but we had a cancellation this morning. And I was like, okay, so I'm doing it. And I, and, and she had me when she said, you give and receive massages every day. When I heard you give and receive massages every day, I said, I don't even care what this is, what this is. I'm just going to do it because I don't want to look for a job and I want to give and receive massages every day. And I did that. And the first day I met someone who said that she was a Reiki master. And the reason why she was in massage school was because she needed that certification. And I had previously received Reiki when I had my daughter. Okay. I had some infertility concerns and I got Reiki. And I remember going like, I don't know what's happening, but my whole body feels like it's electrified. And so when I went to massage school, I was really getting a secondary education outside of that about energy. And I became a Reiki master and I really started to get into the study of mind, body energetics. And, uh, and I honed my intuitive skills and I taught, uh, you know, weekly meditation courses. I was, became a nationally certified therapeutic bodywork teacher uh, and, and energy healing was my jam. And as a result of that, I created an energy center and energy, it was actually called energy works. Uh, and I loved it. And mom was my, uh, was my assistant and interior designer and uh, counterpart receptionist. Uh, and I loved that job. I learned so much about the human condition. I learned so much about how things feel, Robbie, there. You know, it's how do just things so feel? Interesting. I'm trying to take it's like it's like you've had these different lives. Yeah. Right. I know. Like <sighs> because you could really have like that is there is the before and after moment in your story. Yeah. Because you were, you know, sales, marketing, corporate work, fairly traditional model, linear thinking, process oriented. You, you appreciated systems and taking things apart and putting them back together. That's one part of your brain. You're really closed off to the energy, the healing, like the power of touch, like the power of energy. Like you didn't, you didn't have an openness to any of that. And then on a lark, <laughs> you yeah. go, you're like, I just need an answer for what I'm going to do next yeah. in life. I'll, you know what? I'm in this place that has all these people that will, you know, read my fortune. Why yep. not? <laughs> yeah. And then you're mm -hmm. like, I don't like that answer. I'm going to go to an another one. Uh -huh. Wait a second. Oh, yeah. And you're like, not even like, it's no longer a lark. It's no longer for fun. You're going to the third one demanding some oh. better answer. <laughs> Exactly. That is exactly what I did. Yes. And I was and like, do you all have a network that, that you're <laughs> communicating here? Here's the gullible one from Florida that's around. What are you telling yeah. her? Like, how could this be happening? And this yeah. whole idea of like, even her saying to you, pay attention, pay attention to what's happening. Like, and she was right. Most corporate execs don't own a massage table. 
Right. Most corporate execs don't have a history of a family lineage of learning reflexology and passing it down generation to generation. These were things that you didn't pay attention to. And suddenly it became front and center. And I love the idea of going to massage school because you don't want to keep, I mean, looking for a job is a full-time job. So you're like, well, I'll get a certification, but also give and get massages every day for nine months. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a better plan right now. And then that, that little crack, it feels like the door just slightly cracked open. Yeah. And then everybody you met after that were living, it's almost like a whole new world that you suddenly like, it's like noticing, like the noticing started yes. to happen. Yes, exactly. And that's what has opened up many doors for me and many other lifetimes. I mean, I haven't even gotten to the fact that I ran a, uh, you know, a global network of thought leaders during the pandemic and became an incredibly successful business development professional. I understood how to sell in this marketplace now, right? So, but it all starts with paying attention. What are the nudges? I call them cosmic noogies. You know, the noogies when you can, like somebody knocks on the top of your head. That's what it feels like to me. It's actually one of the chapters in one of my books, Cosmic Noogies, is I really tune into what those nudges are from the universe that say, pay attention to this, Teresa. And, uh, and it has served me well. It, has it given me some pain too? Yes. And I can now sit in this space of where I am now and realize that everything that's happened to me has happened to me the way it's supposed to happen to me because now I am uniquely qualified to do the work that I do as a crystallizer because it's not just about being a marketing person. It's right. not just about knowing sales and it's not just knowing about thought leadership. It's about the feeling and the insights, the intuition and and the way that I can connect with people on a very deep level in a very short period of time is as a result of a lot of that holistic work that I did uh, and studying, you know, what, how we show up back yeah, to the same like, question at the beginning, right? How we show up. It feels like all of that's informing who you are today. You're bringing all of that with you, you and you, you've done a really great job integrating all these sides of you and supposed to shutting one down in order to let the other one flourish. Like you've, you've, done a good job of the crystallization and, and, and integration for your own work. Like you understand the essence of what you do. Yes. I'm curious about your network because I imagine over the years it's, um, it's grown in various ways. Yeah. It's gone in different directions. I'm curious how you stay connected with people. You know, you've got your inner core people, but then there's like the, the people two or three layers out that you see once a year at a conference or you work with them five years ago and you haven't since um, you like each other. We should yeah. start with that preface that you like each other. How do you sustain those kinds of connections? Um, any habits, philosophies, practices for how you were able to kind of build and sustain those relationships? Well, uh, sadly, I'll say that I don't think I've done it to the degree that I would have liked. Uh, I am uh, someone who puts the, uh, the health and wellness of my own energy at the highest of priorities. Uh, and I find personally, as someone who is very uh, extroverted in my energy, uh, that uh, networking, connections, keeping things going like that isn't really a strong suit of mine because it, gets, it wears me out. Uh, so I'm not as good at it as I would like. Here's the practice that I do use though, is I, uh, every time that I get like that cosmic noogie to reach out to someone or I see them on social, this happens a lot where I see them on social and I'll almost feel like a little flutter, like a little butterfly flutter, um, when someone's name kind of pops out and it's just like, pick me, you know? And when I see, when I feel the little flutter or even when I'm not on social and I'm just thinking of them, when I think of them, I will make the effort to go, I was just thinking about you. And I don't do a lot of, uh, blah, blah, blah. Right. I just want them to know on an energetic level, you are in my heart. I'm sending you mojo. Right. And that's basically what I do. Uh, I wish that I had more of the, uh, you know, I'm using a CRM to keep my brain, 
you know, it's my digital brain. So I'm using that more, thank goodness. Uh, and I feel like I'm doing a lot better of a job of maintaining my relationships uh, that are non-sales uh, oriented through the CRM because I just look at it and say, my brain just can't hold all that stuff in anymore. And I don't want it to. Uh, I want my brain to be able to be utilized on the things that are really important, not keeping track of stuff. So uh, yeah, that's what I use. I'm kind of curious about how you decide who gets into the CRM, given that you act more on intuition. Like, yeah. how, how, how do they get to the point where they're in the CRM? Great question. So they get into the CRM, A, if there's any kind of formal uh, communication that we're going to have. You're in my CRM, Robbie, because you uh, have, are hosting this conversation. Uh, I will put uh, anyone that I know I want to have a conversation with at Influence, for example, right, that I want to meet with some very dear friends. I'll put them in as my personal network, remind myself to say hi before Influence that I've already set up a task on so I can not forget that I want to make sure we grab a beverage or, you know, whatever together. Um, the other thing that I do to get people into CRM, obviously anybody who's interested in my crystallization work, uh, getting my, you know, uh, video course, they're all going to go in there. But I also do this. If somebody is, uh, for example, I just recently uh, uh, got a feature on Forbes.com uh, for the crystallization work that I do. And it was a big deal to me, uh, hu biggest piece of media that I've gotten. And I wrote up something that I call an inspo post. I like to do inspo posts, things that share genuinely personal things about me that have happened, that have stirred my heart. I look for the lesson in it. I look for where I've been a little vulnerable. Uh, what did I do to do this, this victory? And I invite people to share it with me, whatever it might be. It's an inspiration that's in a post. I did an inspo post for uh, one of the uh, organizations that I belong to on Facebook that has a thousand professional speakers in it. Okay. Uh, professional women. Uh, and when I did my inspo post that I took, you know, time to craft and really make sure that it was not only helpful, but it was also, uh, you know, um, meaningful to them. Uh, when anybody would take time to write a comment for me, I would actually take the time to do two things. Number one, three things. Number one, thank them and engage them in some meaningful way. Number two, pop over to LinkedIn and make sure if I'm not already connected to them, that I'm connected to them. And while I have my LinkedIn open, then I would go to, to uh, my CRM, which is Speaker Flow Zoho, and I would create a personal network contact of that person and then say hi before influence or after influence or whatever, just so I could remember. Because see, what happens is all these people will say great things about you and say, you're amazing. You inspire me so much. I love it so much. And then you go, great. And then you walk away. I am really giving myself the, the challenge to capture that amazing energy that happened and then make sure that I learn more about them. You know, you're cracking me up a little bit because the beginning of this little segment, you were like, I don't really have a system. I wish I was more organized. I wish I had, <laughs> I wish I had a method. I really yeah. just like people pop in my head and I reach out to them, which, you know, is there are plenty of people who have that instinct happen and then they ignore it because they feel like they can't reach out, whatever. So that's also a system in a way, right? So it's a method. Right. Yeah. But but then you're like, oh, here's the CRM and here's I add, here's the process <laughs> adding them. And here I tag them so that there's a there's a reason to reach out. So influence is the National Speakers Association conference. I'll put a link in chat to the organization. It's one of the ways you and I know each other. You yes. also have the highest designation, a certified speaking professional. You're a CSP, which is yeah. a rare thing in globally for speakers. So congratulations on that. But Thank I love you. that you're being, this is a very thoughtful process that you just laid out about, you know, a lot of times people comment on posts that we have and we, we don't, maybe we thank them, but it doesn't nurture a relationship ongoing. So that was all incredibly helpful. We're about to get into my favorite wrap up question, but first we want to hear something from our sponsor. Okay, here's my favorite wrap-up question. Um, we are, uh, you know, a year from now, we're connecting. Let's say it's next year at Influence. I mean, we're, we're about a month away from that right now. And I'm going to be asking you, like, what's, what's been going on this past year? I want to know what we're going to be celebrating on your behalf a year from now. What are you most looking forward to? Hmm. 
Such a great question. I am most looking forward to the fact that I am going to be bringing on uh, a, another person on my team in a matter of months. Right after Influence, I'm bringing on a member of my team to really help me with the growth that I'm going through. And so next year, I look forward to saying, I am so excited because all my standard operating procedures are documented. I've got my, you know, my assistant working, you know, and, and growing my speaking uh, about crystallization that, that I'm doing because I primarily work with, with individuals uh, and then speak about that act of crystallization. So next year, Robbie, you and I can celebrate the fact that I have a, uh, a joyful, productive, uh, lucrative, amazing relationship with one of my team members that we are uh, lighting the world on fire with, uh, with scaling my crystallization work. Wow. I cannot wait to celebrate that with you. How can people find you and follow your work? Yeah, thank you for asking. So they can find me at TeresaRose.com slash clear will give them the uh, complimentary access to my crystallization process. And if they wonder how to spell it, it's real easy because I have the most awesome accidental accidental URL. There's a (laughs) Rose.com. That is the most awesome accidental um, <laughs> one ever. I love that you figured that out. <laughs> no, I didn't. I actually, a, a client of mine did said, she said, you know, that it says there's a rose.com. There's went, a rose.com. Oh, wow. rose. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Oh my gosh. Well, we're going to have all those links in the show notes, plus your Instagram, LinkedIn, a link to all the different books you have on Amazon. You have so many great Perfect. pieces of content for people to share. Thank you for being here and, and sharing your story. It's been a really great conversation. Thanks Robbie for having me. It was a pure pleasure. Take care. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Teresa. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 344. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with that one friend you know would love to hear it. Subscribe or follow for free so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week. We'll be interviewing another talent professional who overcame challenges on their way to success. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership and entrepreneurial journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.